Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. The book of Proverbs, chapter 31. Proverbs 31. The last proverb. And we want to read from verse 10. Proverbs 31.10. And the scripture says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She ariseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field, and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hand she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms." She perceiveth that her merchandise is good, her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry, her clothing is silk and purple, her husband is known in the gates. When he sitteth among the elders of the land, she maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also. And he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. That kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? Amen. Well, first of all, you will notice that the writer of... Proverbs devotes 30 and a half chapters, or 31 and a half chapters, discussing wisdom and talking about wisdom and describing the wisdom of God. But all of a sudden, in this last half of a chapter, he begins to talk about the virtuous woman. And he paints her portrait for us. And one might think, why all of a sudden does he change and then begin talking about this virtuous woman? First of all, we must recognize that the woman called wisdom throughout the scriptures represents the wisdom of God. And this virtuous woman is the manifestation of of that same wisdom of God through this life. And so God uses the woman to show forth this truth. What good is wisdom unless it's manifested in us and through us? For what is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to use facts of knowledge through perception in a productive way. It is the wisdom of God that is to be applied to our lives in a practical sense. So that as we conduct our lives in this life, we can do so not in darkness, but in the light of the will of God. Knowing how to appropriate and apply the principles of God's word to our lives in such a practical way that the outcome thereof is glorious. 
And there'll be gain for us, not only in this life, but also in the life that is to come. You will notice in verse 10, I want us to go back there for a moment. I'm not going to talk about all these attributes, but we are going to discuss a couple of things I believe to be important to all of our lives. And that first thought is found in verse 10, chapter 31 and verse 10. It says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. In other words, the value of a virtuous woman, as far as God is concerned, is priceless. To show you that he is also making a direct reference to wisdom, I want you to hold your place there, if you would, please. And just turn back a little bit to Proverbs chapter 3 and look at verse 13. He is demonstrating to us and showing to us that the price or the value of a virtuous woman, wife or mother, is priceless. It goes beyond anything we can possibly imagine. In Proverbs 3.13, it says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. Notice, she is more precious. Making this reference to wisdom, saying she is more precious than rubies. Isn't that what he said over there in Proverbs 31? The virtuous woman, he said, is of greater value, far above the value of rubies or fine stones. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Anything and everything a man could possibly desire in this life cannot be compared to the wisdom of God and also to the virtuous woman, wife, mother. There's no comparison to be made. Here it talks about wisdom being length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is every one that retaineth her. He shifts over once again and demonstrates to us that the woman, the wife, the mother, is priceless and should be viewed as being priceless in the sight of every man, husband, son or daughter. Her worth cannot be compared to anything that this life has to offer. She is the answer to the man's prayers she is the very manifestation of the deepest desires of his heart. That takes us all the way back to the beginning when God made Adam to be the ruler, having dominion over all the works of his hands. But yet noticing that he was alone and without proper fellowship in the realm in which God made him. Although he had a beautiful dwelling place, a wonderful garden. Although he had a beautiful position that he held, none of those things could possibly satisfy the deepest longing desire of his heart. And so God made a deep sleep to come upon the man and brought forth from his side the woman. And when Eve was brought forth and Adam woke up, he said, whoa, man. <laughs> and the deepest longing desire of his heart was fulfilled. Hold that thought and I want you to notice Proverbs 18 and verse 22. Proverbs 18 and verse 22. 
In Proverbs 18:22, we read, Whoso findeth a wife. And when I thought about that, I read that over, I thought, how unfair that really is. Adam's wife was formed. Ours has to be found. Think about it. Wouldn't it be nice when you're about 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 years old, all you had to do was go to sleep one night? Just doze off for a while? Wake up in the morning? Whoa, man. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the perfect helpmate and helpmeet suitable for you? Well, that's how it was from the very beginning. And to be frank about it, had man not fallen, can you imagine what life would have been like? I believe there would have been a perfect woman for every man and a perfect man for every woman. There would have been no problems at all that they would have to face. It would be a perfect environment in which to, to grow together and serve God together and rear up a godly seed. But that's not how it is. We have to face the reality that man fell from the presence of God. And as a result of his choice and willful decision to rebel, he brought chaos to every realm of life. He also brought division between husband and wife. He brought selfishness, insecurity, inferiority, and many other things that are destructive to a relationship into the world. And now for a man to find a wife that is suitable, that wonderful, perfectly developed helpmeet for him, is not such an easy task. But whoso does find a wife, finds a good thing. Let's read the scripture. Finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. No, it's not as easy as it was for Adam, beloved. But it still can be done. And if you'll find that virtuous woman, you'll find a good thing and you will obtain favor of the Lord. Now, to better understand that, we have to know this. The word that we use, husband, really means householder. It means that he is the one who is responsible to guide and be in charge of the affairs of the family and the household. God has given him this awesome responsibility and duty. And as a head, as one who is the head of a household, it's his responsibility to find that wife that virtuous woman, obtain favor of the Lord and rear up a godly seed that would give glory and honor to the living God forever. It's his responsibility to do so. And when he does accomplish that purpose in the will of God, God looks down upon that man and recognizes what he does gives evidence to two important facts. Number one, first and foremost, this person has made his decision to be the head of a household and he has done a good thing. In other words, his decision making in the sight of God was good. He is a good manager and he demonstrated good management by finding the virtuous woman. Young men that are out there, if you're contemplating or considering marriage, you're at that time and that place in your life that you're looking forward to getting married and to having a social unit under God and rearing up a godly seed, you must recognize and realize your need to go beyond what you see with your natural eye. And don't just look at the external beauty of the woman, but look deep within the heart to find the virtues that are in there, placed there by the living God. And in so doing, God will look upon you as being 
a good manager of your life and of your household. The second thing you also give evidence to is that you have obtained favor of the Lord. Let me explain that. I want you to turn with me to 19th chapter here in Proverbs and look at verse 14 if you would. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers. And a prudent wife is from the Lord. A prudent wife is from the Lord. In other words, the Lord God Almighty has touched the hearts and the lives of many women that are out there in the world today. And even though we don't live as Adam and Eve did in the very beginning in a perfect environment, there are still virtuous women that are out there alive today whose heart's longing desire it is to serve the Most High God and become a perfect help meet suitable to some man who also loves God. Now, the difficulty lies here. There are many that are out there that are not looking to serve God. There are many that are out there that don't want to give their lives to God. And we recognize free will agency is involved here. We must look beyond those and look to those whose hearts are first pure before God. You see, God knows those that belong to Him. And if you're a young lady out there and you're saying, I am in search of a mate. It's my desire to get married and to rear up a godly seed unto the Lord. Your need is to demonstrate your love for God. To grow in the things of God. Allow His virtues to touch your heart and life. Emulate the life of Christ. Allow His character to flow through your life. And in so doing, you'll place yourself in a position that God will mark you. God will mark you. Remember when Rebecca and Isaac got together? Did they do so by the hand of man or did they do so by the hand of God? How? By the hand of God. As a matter of fact, Abraham instructed Eleazar. He said, you go to this place and you will find a woman. How did he know that? He knew that by the Spirit of God. Who marked her? The Spirit of God did. He saw her heart. He saw her virtues. He knew that Isaac was in need and desired a wife. And the Spirit of God moved, the hand of the Lord was manifest, and her being marked, she being marked by the hand of God, was prepared when they came together. God will do that as you prepare your heart before Him and show Him it is your desire to become that virtuous woman. He'll mark you. And when some fellow's over there praying in the corner somewhere... Lord, send me a mate. He'll go through his little black book, having you already marked, and point you out and bring you to his attention. I firmly believe that each one should be preparing himself for the, or herself for the other, don't you? Amen. And God will move. But a prudent wife comes from the Lord. In other words... She is the perfect choice because the hand of the Lord is upon her. And when a man, a godly man that is, chooses this virtuous wife, God will commend him because he feels he's wise enough to choose a wife that is a wonderful, precious treasure. And that's how God wants us to view each other. Husbands and wives are gifts from God to each other. In the book of James 1 and verse 17, we are told that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 
We are to view our mates as valuable and precious gifts that come from God. God who loves us and cares for us makes these provisions knowing the needs and the desires of our hearts. And in giving us each other, He brings joy and peace and love and contentment and comfort to a household where His blessings can flow, where He can be represented upon the earth, and lives can be lived to serve Him. I really believe with all my heart, beloved, that as men we are to view our wives as being more precious and more valuable than anything that we possess. Our homes, our wealth, our material goods, anything that we have in life, nothing can be compared to the virtuous wife, the virtuous woman, the virtuous mother. There is no comparison. And yet, it's sad to see that so many are not viewing each other that way. They look down upon each other and see the need to amass wealth and other things as being more valuable and more important than developing an intimate relationship with each other in this life. And serving God the way He wants them to, so as to create an environment of love in which the children can be reared up. For example, here is a family in the slums of England. And this family was a working family. The fellow worked. The mother didn't work. She was at home, supposedly, with the children. They had four children there in the slums of England, and yet they were miserable. Their lives were a wreck. And why? Because they liked to drink. Alcohol really was their God. As a result of alcoholism, the children were not being cared for like they should. Really, their needs were not being met as they should, and they were living in poverty. Now, he worked, but yet they were living in poverty because everything they possessed was going out to support their habit. One day, when she was in her drunken state and walking along the street, the mother of these four children and the husband, or the wife of this husband stopped along the way and saw a sparrow pick up a crumb of bread and fly and take it to her nest and feed her young. She said, I stood there in amazement. As I looked up and I saw that sparrow feed her young and care for her young. Suddenly she said, I trembled. And I shook. I began to cry. I said to myself, the sparrow feeds her own. But I neglect mine. And why? She said to herself, because of drink. Because of drink. She rushed home, went to her place. She got on her knees before God Almighty. She cried out to God in prayer. At that moment, true forgiveness and true repentance were revealed to her heart. She opened up her life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when she did, her countenance completely changed. Her whole demeanor. She was delivered from the alcohol habit and totally set free. It was no longer her God. She no longer lived to please herself. She lived to be the woman, the wife, And the mother that God was looking for. And one by one, all her children came to know the Lord. And finally, through her teaching, her husband came to know the Lord. And the end result was most rewarding. And we'll see that in the latter part of uh, Proverbs 31. 
You see, sometimes people don't realize and fail to realize that there are tremendous rewards for serving God. Many in society today overlook eternal rewards. But those rewards are temporal as well as eternal. Many don't want to consider the sacrifice and make the sacrifice so as to provide the kind of environment that our young people need. They're more concerned about themselves. Well, when this life was turned around, this woman finally received her rewards. That wretched place, that miserable home was turned into a spiritual haven. There was comfort, there was peace, and instead of poverty, there was plenty in her household. All as the result of the woman finding her rightful place before God, opening up her heart to true repentance and forgiveness and to the love of God, and then doing what God intended from the very beginning, Passing that same reality with God over to her children. And what a wonderful result. No longer bound by anything, but living in the freedom of God's love. And in every way being blessed. Isn't that what God wants for all of us? Amen. Beloved, I also believe there's another revelation that needs to be understood with regard to husbands and wives really coming together in harmonious love and living the way God wants them to live on earth. You can write this verse down. In Deuteronomy 32 and verse 30, we are told that if one can chase a thousand, then two can put ten thousand to flight. And what that is revealing to us is this fact. There is no closer union on earth than the relationship between a man and his wife. Those two, the Bible says, shall become one. Two shall become one. And when those two become one in agreement, we are told a ten times greater force of faith is created for them in this life. Husband, if you think you're strong in faith out there on your own, I want you to know something. You find that virtuous wife of yours and you begin to treat her like the precious jewel that she is and you begin to hold her in high esteem as God would have you to and you recognize her place before the sight of God. You realize that God brought her forth from your side to make her equal with you from beneath your arm to be protected by you and from near your heart to be loved by you. And you give her that rightful place there in the home. You unite your hearts together as one. Your faith will be ten times greater. And ten times more powerful and effective to you in this life. If one can chase a thousand, two can put ten thousand to flight. Now you know why the enemy does not want harmony in the home. And in the marriage. Can't you see that? Absolutely. Why? A house divided cannot stand. But when two come together in full agreement, there's a ten times greater force of faith and power that will enable them to achieve and fulfill the purpose and the will of God. Also, Jesus himself said in Matthew 18, 19, if two of you will agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, your prayer potential is increased by tenfold. When you find that mate of yours and recognize their place, unite your hearts together as one and learn to agree together in prayer for things to to be accomplished. Your prayer power is increased by tenfold. Now, if the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working, can you imagine what the effectual fervent prayer of a husband and wife team that come together in harmonious agreement will do? You talk about tremendous power made available, dynamic in its working. There will be explosions of the almightiness of God in the household of those whose hearts are knit together in love, who come together in full agreement, believing God by faith 
And that's what he wants people to know. The enemy will do his best to see to it that that's not achieved. But beloved, to those that achieve it, there is glory beyond measure. Let's turn back, if you would please, to the 31st proverb. And let's skip through many of these other virtues and attributes. You can look them over for yourself. I want us to go to the end here, beginning at verse 28, and share some things that I believe would be of value to mothers that are out there today. Women, wives, mothers that are out there today. To let you know that there are tremendous awaiting you because of your sacrifice. It is no easy road to hoe. We know that. Because of the fall of man, because of what took place in the lives of human beings after the fall, it's not easy for either male or female, husband, wife, parents, children. As a matter of fact, you go way back into the very beginning and you find Cain and Abel being born to Adam and Eve. Same household, same home, same disciplinary action, same instruction, same revelation of God. And what happens? Cain and Abel. You know the story. Cain kills his brother. You talk about heartache and pain. This never would have happened. But through rebellion, men's hearts change. The first parents began to see the effect of their division and separation from God. Here they are, their own children, now kill each other as a result of free will. One kills the other as a result of his free will. He didn't like it to be done God's way. He didn't want it to be done God's way. And no matter what his parents said, he wasn't going to do it God's way. So you can... Only imagine what went through their hearts and minds when they heard that their son was killed by his brother. Can you imagine the heartache and pain they must have encountered? And from that time on, beloved, being a parent was never an easy thing. It's not an easy thing today. But we can't view it in a negative sense. We have got to view it in a positive way. Looking to the Word of God and recognizing that no matter what it takes to provide the environment that our young people need, our children need to grow and be nurtured in, we as parents have got to be committed to that most important task in life. Do you agree? We live in a society today right now that really does not support the family as it needs to be supported. There are many avenues through which the family and its unity is being undermined. Young people are being targeted at an early age through the media of television and radio and music, etc., etc., to inject thoughts into their minds of rebellion at a very young and early age. Thoughts of gratifying their sexual desires at a very young and early age. And all this is being poured into their lives and a little bit of the time, if we can get them involved in the things of God, they're affected in a positive way. God would have that situation to be turned around, beloved. And I'm talking about a dramatic change. God wants us to know that the family has to become what He intended for for it to be in order for young people to survive in today's society. We have got to surround them with the love that they need. We've got to surround them with the information that they need. We have got to protect them from those things that are entering in and keep those things out because they don't have the proper discernment at a young and early age. Those things are targeting their inabilities to keep in check their own physical and emotional desires as they grow up and develop. Parents are responsible to do what? To protect their children from those things, from lawlessness and from allowing their emotions and feelings to rule their lives. And, and children don't like that. We realize that. 
but yet it's our responsibility and duty. And mothers being for the most part at home with their children to achieve this purpose sometimes find it very difficult and rough in the age in which we live. They go off to school. They're influenced by their peers. As I said before, the media, all kinds of influences are out there. And for the most part, they're away most of the time. What is needed, beloved, and needful is to get them at an early age and instill within them the things that they need to become God-fearing adults. Knowing that when you train up a child in the way he should go, when they grow old, they will not depart from it. But it's not an easy task. To be frank about it, it's one of the most difficult things you'll ever dedicate yourself to do. I look at it this way. When you're a single person, you're a woman. And you're responsible to know God. When you get married, you're a wife. And now you have another hat on. Your responsibilities and duties increase. There's more added to your life. Now you're to be the perfect helpmeet suitable for your husband. Thirdly, you become a mother and now you have another hat on that you're wearing. Another identity with more added duties and responsibilities. And for the most part, it seems as though... It's a total giving of self for the well-being and benefit of the children, the husband, the family. Well, listen carefully, beloved. I want you to know that all the work, all the sacrifice, and all the effort you put into it will not be in vain. As a matter of fact, our society today, once again, somewhat looks down upon the non-working mother. You're just a housewife. But I'm a career person. Oh, really? I'll trade you jobs any day of the week. Because you see, the woman that works at home, her job never ends. If she's doing her job, her job never ends. If she's doing it well, it will never end and it will be challenged by an enemy. So listen carefully. The blood, the sweat, the tears, and all the work, the effort, and the energy that you put into rearing up a godly seed and taking care of the home, being the virtuous wife and woman and mother before God is not in vain. There are rewards that you will harvest and reap in your life, not only now, but in the world, the, the world that is to come. Treasures will be stored up for you in heaven, and God will repay. Listen carefully. There is coming a time when her children, in verse 28, will arise, they'll rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. I can't think of really any other reward on earth that is better than that. There is going to come a time. Now, right now in that infant stage, in that toddler stage, and then preschool stage, and then adolescent and all that, going through all those stages, it may seem like a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and sacrifice that you are making. And my goodness, can anything good come out of all of this work, all of this effort, and all of this energy? Yes, a lot of good can come out of it. But it won't be a Cadillac. It will not be a diamond ring. They say diamonds are forever. Hogwash. Diamonds are not forever. There is nothing in this world that is forever. There is nothing in this life that is forever. But I tell you, on that day when your child rises up as a productive citizen to society, and he rises up a born-again, blood-washed child of God, a soul winner evangelizing the world for Jesus Christ that says, I know God and Mom and Dad, I want to thank you. I want you to know that you are blessed. What that child just said to you is going to be forever. You couldn't give that mother a thousand diamond rings that would replace the words that she heard when that son and that daughter says, Mom, I love you, and I thank you, and I bless you for being a godly, virtuous mother, wife, and woman. Can you say amen? But that doesn't 
ended. As a matter of fact, let's read on. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord... Now notice, she shall be praised. Not only will your children praise you, your husband will look to you and he shall praise you. He will thank you for being that virtuous woman, wife and mother. And once again, we thank God for all the compliments that we receive we thank God for friends that we have that care for us, that tell us good things about us. We thank God for that. But I'm telling you, when your husband praises you, how meaningful is that to you as a wife and as a mother? Those words of praise and adoration go into the deep recesses of your heart and they find a place there. They abide there. They live there. You see, men, God wants us to praise our virtuous wives for who they are, for what they represent, and who they stand for, and for what they do. To build them up with praise and adoration that they are deserving of. The Bible says we are to, to, to give honor and glory to whom it is due. And when we praise them and thank God for who they are and what they mean to us, it does something on the inside of them that nothing else can possibly do. No Mother's Day gift is eternal. But I'm telling you, when you look at your wife and say, I just thank God for you. I value you as priceless. I see the beauty of your life, your, your innermost being. I am so thankful that God gave you to me. That's eternal. That's everlasting. You'll be praised also, as we read on, listen, by the Lord. Blessed is the woman that fears God. She'll be praised. In verse 31, give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. The gates referred to are the same gates that her husband found honor in before all the dignitaries of the, uh, of the city. But it's not just talking about earthly gates. The Bible says, Blessed are they that die in the Lord from henceforth forever, for their works do follow them in. Virtuous women, wives and mothers out there, listen carefully. The works that you have done, the labor that you have labored over the many years, the, the time of sowing, the time that you took care of your young ones when they were young and nurtured them and cared for them and prayed for them and taught them the Word of God, all that you've done, there will be a day on the glory side when you stand in the gate and the Lord God that made heaven and earth will look to you and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Your works will follow you in and you'll be praised in the gates of heaven and glory itself because of what you've done. That's eternal. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? Absolutely. You will reap your harvest. And that is the rewards that you have sown over all the years of your dedication. So give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. And the works that were done that are made up of precious stone, silver and gold, the Bible says, will not be burned by fire, but will serve to reward you for all that you've done. For God in this life. What do some of those things represent? And we'll close it with this. Someone asked a, a mother whose children grew up and were useful to society and successful in life and also to the kingdom of God. Asked her what she did. What was the secret? 
she used to prepare her children for usefulness. Everybody's looking for a secret, aren't they? They're looking for a formula to success. And this woman looked back into her own life and she said, this is what I did. And maybe young ladies, you might want to write this down. And when your child is brought into this world, you might want to consider doing the same thing. She saw that in order to achieve this, it would take more than what she had to offer in herself. It would take the hand of God. So she said, the first thing I did was this. When I washed them in the morning, can you imagine this little born baby, newborn baby, and I gave the child its bath in the morning, I prayed that this child would be washed in the fountain of the Savior's mercy. Not once, but every morning, with every bath, a brand new day. In other words, she invoked the blessing of God upon her child daily, saying, Father, this child is clean through the water that I wash it with, but it is in need to be washed in the fountain of the Savior's mercy and by His precious blood. I claim that for my child that is dedicated to you today. Secondly, she said, when I clothed them, I prayed that they would be arrayed in the robe of the Savior's righteousness. In other words, there was a need beyond what she could provide. She said, I see the need for this child to be robed in the Savior's righteousness. And she knew that He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that the child could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And so that was her prayer. And she would say daily, Father, I thank You that this child is robed in the righteousness of God in Christ. Then she said, when I fed the child, her children, when I fed them, she said there is a need for them to be fed not just with natural sustenance, but they need to be fed with manna from heaven. And so, Father, may they always be fed with the Word of God. And everywhere they go, put around them those that will speak the Word. Now, she did it herself, of course. But it was her faith in believing that the blessing of God would be upon her child all the days of his or her life. And they would be surrounded with the Word of God. And then she said, when I started them on the road to school, that glorious occasion and event, she said, I prayed that their faith would be as the shining light that would become brighter and brighter more and more unto the perfect day. In other words, while others maybe would be involved in their affairs, I prayed that my child would shine as a beacon light in a world of darkness. As Jesus said, you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And I prayed that their light would shine brighter and brighter. The light of their faith in Christ would shine brighter and brighter more and more unto the perfect day. And then she said, finally, when I laid them down to sleep at night, I said, Heavenly Father... May they rest secure in the Master's arms. In other words, may you surround them with your presence and protection throughout the night and all the days of their lives. In other words, she took upon herself the 91st Psalm and said over her child, You will dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. You will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Lord God will be your refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings will you trust. His truth will be your shield and buckler. 
You'll not be afraid of the terror by day, nor for the arrow that flieth by night, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side, and at your right hand, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come nigh unto you. Only with your eyes shall you see and behold the reward of the wicked. Because you made the Lord God your refuge, even the Most High your habitation, there shall no evil befall you or any plague come nigh your dwelling. For the Lord God will give His angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And they will bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the, the lion, young lion and dragon and, and, adder, and, and the young lion and dragon you'll trample beneath your feet. In other words, when the enemy comes to try to attack you, you'll rise up in the power of God and you will overcome. And ultimately, because you set your love upon Him. Can you imagine a mother saying this to her young child? Still can't even talk, but because you've made the Lord God your place of habitation and set your love upon Him, He will deliver you. He will set you on high because you know His name. When you call upon Him, He will answer you. He will be with you in trouble. He will deliver you and honor you. And with long life will He satisfy you and show you His great salvation. Oh yes, that took effort. It took energy. It took a lot of work. And believe me, to get from point A to point B, a lot takes place in between. To get that same child out of the crib and also out of college to look back at you and say, Mom, I praise God for your life. I thank you for not giving up. I thank you for loving me, showing me the way of righteousness and truth, revealing to me the living God. Because now I stand before Him, knowing Him, blood-washed, committed, dedicated, and I owe it all to you. I thank you. I praise you in the gates for who you are and what you mean to me. It's the greatest thing you can give and offer to your parents, in particular your mother. Because of her dedication. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.